This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 373. This episode is brought to you by Organifi, makers of Organifi Gold Chocolate, a superfood hot chocolate that contains only one gram of sugar, plus powerful superfoods and mushrooms to help you relax and curb those nighttime cravings. Check them out at Organifi.com forward slash MTA. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com forward slash MTA. You can save 20% off with the code MTA. Thanks to the Drury Hotels for sponsoring the podcast. Stay at any of their 150 locations around the United States and get 15% off your stay and our free vintage podcast bundle when you go to druryhotels.com forward slash MTA. That's Drury, D-R-U-R-Y, hotels.com slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you a marathon success story as we speak with Academy member Dipti Pandya, who just completed her first marathon as part of the Disney Dopey Challenge. You'll hear about the setbacks she faced during her training and how she as a busy professional and mother of two finds time to train. And don't forget, as a member of the Academy, you can get access to all of our training plans, courses, and awesome online community. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Okay, so Angie, last weekend was a big weekend. The Houston Marathon in Houston, Texas took place. It's notoriously flat and fast, and we had two new American records last weekend, didn't we? That's right. Sarah Hall, age 38, set a new American half marathon record with a time of one hour, seven minutes and 15 seconds. She took 10 seconds off Molly Huddle's record from 2018. So very exciting for her. And Kira D'Amato, age 37, finished the marathon in two hours, 19 minutes and 12 seconds. She broke Dina Castor's American record by 24 seconds, and that was set back in 2006. Yeah, it's amazing how long Dina Castor's record stood. She set that at the London Marathon, didn't she? That's right, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. We've had Sarah Hall on the podcast, uh, as well as her husband, Ryan Hall, a couple times. They're uh, wonderful folks to talk to, so we'll have to have her back on the podcast one of these days. Yeah, we need to get Kira D'Amato on, too. She has an interesting running story as well. Oh, definitely. Lots of good stuff happening out there. It is like miserably cold in our neck of the woods, so I've been doing a lot of runs on the treadmill. How about you, Angie? Yes, I have to admit the last two days were on the treadmill. I just couldn't face going out into the cold wind. So it's partially the cold wind, but also the way they plowed the roads, like all of the snow ends up piled up on the shoulder of the road. So there's not really a good place to run if you're facing traffic very much. So it kind of makes me a little bit more nervous, but that's my excuse. (laughs) (laughs) We are sick of your excuses, Angie. I know. Just kidding. Let's uh, let's jump in. We've got some shout outs from community members, people who are reaching new milestones in their running. So let's start with that. This comes from Craig. He says, I'm excited to say that I'm a marathoner. I completed my first marathon in Houston with a time of five hours, eight minutes and 42 seconds. Although I didn't hit my A goal of sub five hours, I'm still happy I was able to complete it and finish strong. In the last few miles, I was able to focus on soaking in the experience and the great crowds along the course. I loved every minute of it, even the hard parts, and I signed up for the 2023 marathon as soon as I got home from the race. 
Wow. I want to give a huge shout out to MTA Coach Lynn for all of her encouragement and advice and for the fantastic training plan that prepared me to do something that only 1% of people have ever done. I also want to thank Angie, Trevor, and the entire MTA family for inspiring me on this journey. Coach Lynn and I are already discussing goals and plans for the coming months, and I can't wait to get started. With her help, I'll continue improving my aerobic base, work on getting faster, and complete more short races to gain more race experience. That's awesome. We'd love to hear about that first marathon. So super congrats, Craig, on conquering the marathon. I'm glad that you did so well and that you finished with enough enjoyment that you signed up immediately for next year. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it takes people a few days to kind of work through the complicated feelings about a marathon. Yeah, like, man, that was hard. Do I really (laughs) want to do that again? And speaking of first, this one comes from Peter, another Academy member. He says, after six years of running, I completed my first ultra marathon at the Avalon 50K on Catalina Island. It was a small, intimate race with only 300 finishers, with beautiful ocean views for most of the race. The best part of the race was sharing this experience with several good friends and the support of our broader running family. The camaraderie shared during this journey makes the race so much more special and memorable. I have a feeling this won't be my last ultra. Yeah, and he posted some really beautiful pictures from the Catalina Island 50K that he ran. Of course, that's off the coast of California. Looks like an epic time. Congrats, Peter, on conquering a 50K. We'd also like to give a shout out to Paul, who is uh, one of our coaching clients that works with Coach Henry. He just finished his 50th state marathon, and he was smart, Angie. He did it like you did and finished in Hawaii. Awesome. (laughs) So he ran the Maui Marathon. Yeah, so we're just really stoked for him and like to wish him huge congratulations. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our conversation with Dipti. She just ran the Dopey Challenge. That, of course, is at uh, the Run Disney Marathon Weekend in Orlando. And you have to run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon on four consecutive days. I'm sure quite a few of you listening have done it. I have tentative plans to someday do it. (laughs) Um, Still trying to wrap your mind around the early morning wake-ups, right? Yep, exactly. So it's 48.6 miles total, and that's not counting all the the walking you have to do to get to where you have to go, and any time you want to spend in the parks, so it's quite a weekend. Dipti is a radiologist. She lives with her husband and two kids in New Jersey. She's been an Academy member for about three years and has worked with two of our coaches, Coach Lynn and Coach Athena. You're going to hear about some ups and downs in her training and the setbacks that she had to overcome. And then uh, her decision to run her first marathon as part of this bigger challenge, which is pretty cool. So we always love talking with people in the community. Before we play our interview, we'd like to welcome our new podcast sponsor, Organifi. They are makers of Organifi Gold Chocolate. It is a delicious superfood drink that is like hot chocolate, except most hot chocolate has 200 calories and 25 grams of sugar. Organifi Gold Chocolate only has 23 calories and just one gram of sugar. It's a blend that's packed full of dried herbs, roots like turmeric and ginger, and also reishi mushroom. I like to relax in the evening with a hot drink, and Organifi Gold Chocolate doesn't include blood sugar spiking ingredients. It leaves you feeling good about indulging in a healthy chocolate beverage and can be very calming and relaxing. Nothing better than settling into a good book at night with a warm drink and a blanket, you know? That's right. Perfect for the winter months. Organifi Gold has 10 superfoods for rest and relaxation. It's 100% USDA certified organic. So check them out at Organifi.com forward slash MTA. The folks over there have put together a discount for our listeners. You can get 20% off. That's Organifi.com forward slash MTA. Use the code MTA for 20% off. 
Okay, we're on the podcast now with Dipti Pandya. We're going to ask her all about the Dopey Challenge. Dipti, how are you doing today? Hi, Trevor, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Just soaking in all the happy feels after accomplishing this huge thing. So really, really grateful to be on the podcast with you guys. Well, we're so excited to talk to you. And before we jump into the running portion, I mean, I'd like to hear a little bit about you. What do you do for work, about your family, some of your interests and hobbies, kind of, you know, to kind of fully flesh you out as a person here? Sure. So I am 41 and a mother of uh, two wonderful children. My uh, daughter is 12, and Serena, and my son Dylan is nine, um, almost 10. And my husband, Monil, you know, he's my rock and best friend. Um, We live in New Jersey. I am a radiologist, uh, which for people who don't know, is a physician who specializes in imaging, basically, you know, diagnostic imaging, as well as um, I do a lot of breast imaging. So breast cancer diagnosis and biopsies and things like that. And in terms of hobbies, obviously running is a big part of my life. Um, But in addition to that, I love reading, yoga, hiking, you know, anything outdoors. We love traveling as a family. So we've been all over Um, And I've traveled a lot, even as a child with my parents who were, you know, I was very lucky that they took us everywhere with them. And I love Disney. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) this was a perfect first marathon for a Disney lover. (laughs) So you've been a a member of the Academy for a good while now. And I remember, I think in the beginning, at some point when you introduced yourself, you said that you had gone a stretch of like 20 years without doing like any kind of exercise before you got into running. Am I remembering correctly? Uh, yes, that's basically pretty much true. You know, I, I may have done occasional things here and there, but was not consistently doing anything for a long period of time. So I actually did run when I was younger. Um, I remember in middle school, I ran a two-mile fun run that I won. <laughs> and I still wow. have the trophy, which is pretty cool. Um <laughs> And then I joined high school track and I just didn't love it. I had perpetual shin splints and they didn't really teach you the way that we understand running now in terms of strength training and mobility and all the other things that go into it. Plus, I think I was running the wrong rates. I was um, doing 800 meters, which is very, very difficult. And uh, I think I was more of like an endurance person and, you know, I just... Didn't love it, but I did it. And then freshman year of college, I remember it was the first time I ever really hit the gym. So I was like hardcore strength training and really loved that. And then that was it. I just fell off. You know, social life took over and med school, you know, rest of college, med school residency, I really didn't do anything. I remember, I think I was like 28 and my husband and I joined the gym in New York and we met with personal trainers for one day. And then like a week later, I found out I was pregnant. You know, and I'm like, I'm pregnant. I can't work out. Yeah. So (laughs) that was it. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was like, uh, I did pick up yoga when I was maybe around 36 or so after I'd had two children. And I was doing that about 10, 15 minutes a day and then going to the studio eventually. But it was really like around when I was 38, I remember walking upstairs and being out of breath. And that's Hmm. where, you know, I was like, there's something wrong. This is not how a 38 year old should be feeling. And um, I just knew that I had to make a change. And so I put on my sneakers and went out for a run. It was like Thanksgiving Day or the day after 2018. And it was really hard. I ran like two miles, but it felt great. I felt like so alive. Um, So that's where it Mm, started. That's awesome. And then what made you decide to get into long distance running, marathon training? 
I think I've always had more of a knack for endurance. And so once I was doing the two miles and I started going every other day, um, I just started listening to podcasts. You were actually, MTA was the first podcast that I listened to and just fell in love. And obviously, (laughs) the base of your podcast is marathon training. So that just kind of (laughs) set something off internally. And I'm like, I want to do that. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to do it right away, but I kind of felt, you know, long-term that that would be a goal. And I just loved, I loved being out there on my own. I love the feeling of just pushing through, uh, miles and miles and just being in your head. And yeah, so I just kind of built from there. And I remember the first race I had planned for was a 10 miler, but I got injured, um, a knee injury because I was just doing everything wrong. (laughs) Um, until then through you guys, uh, coach Lynn actually helped get me to my first half marathon, injury-free, which was an amazing feeling. So yeah, just listening to your podcast and reading books. I mean, I remember starting with like Born to Run and, you know, all those books that get people hooked. Um, And that really just did it for me. I just wanted all that adventure and all those feelings that you guys were describing, you know, in the podcast and on race reports. I like how you said the word adventure. It is an adventure. (laughs) It is. Oh, totally. I mean, that's why I run is for adventure. I mean, you know, even people, people who are not Disney fans will laugh about Disney and like, they're like, yeah, what kind of adventure are you having? I mean, when you run through all four (laughs) parks at five, six in the morning when it's dark out and all the lights are on and it's just, it's magical, you know, you're experiencing, Mm. yeah, it's Disney. It's not, you know, for some people, maybe that's not their thing, but it's experiencing a part of the world in a completely different way that other people who walk around every day in the parks will never experience. Um, and that's how I want to experience cities all over the world. Yeah. So what was your first half marathon? My first half marathon was a local one um, here in Morristown, New Jersey. It was a Halloween half so I had little like skeleton leggings and <laughs> a skeleton t-shirt <laughs> and it was cold and pouring rain the entire time, but I didn't care. Mm. I remember feeling <laughs> so like high on running. I mean, we were running through this beautiful mm. park in Morristown. I had my arms up in the air and I remember turning to somebody, it was like mile eight and I was just like, woo. <laughs> and she just looked at me like, wow, really? I'm sure <laughs> She's been doing this for a long time and probably wasn't feeling so great about the rain and the cold, but I just felt on top of the world. So it was really awesome. My kids, my husband came to the finish line and I felt really strong and, you know, recovered very quickly. So yeah, it was a really great uh, first half experience. So I know you decided at some point then to start training for your first marathon and because of COVID and a number of factors, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing for you. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yes, sure. So after that half, I built up um, to like consistently running about 30 miles a week, five days a week. Um, But I was dealing with shin splints again. It was pretty much after the half and I just never really completely let them heal or figured out how to manage them. And I just kept running through it. I ended up going down to Disney for the um, princess half marathon. And I ran that with a friend. And after that, I was like, you know, I need to take some time. So um, I actually had Coach Athena also work with me a little bit to um, help me with some mobility work. I had to take some time off. And at that point, I was planning on training for the New York City Marathon as my first. So Mm -hmm. um, I was born in New Jersey and I've lived here my whole life, except for a five-year stint where my husband and I lived in Manhattan. So to do New York as my first marathon, I just thought would be an amazing experience. So I actually did not get in through the lottery, um, joined in with Parkinson's Foundation and, you know, COVID hit. And uh, Mm -hmm. the marathon was canceled. So I went through that process, ended up the following year just getting myself healthy again, building my mileage back up. And I ended up in April training for 
a virtual half. So on my own, I decided I wanted to try to break two hours. And that training cycle was awesome. I mean, I really, it was like injury free. I went up to 50 mile weeks, um, 15 mile long runs. I felt great doing speed work. And I crushed my goal, which was really awesome. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that was terrific. And I decided to sign up for the New Jersey Marathon um, during that training cycle, which would have been my first. And again, I thought, okay, that's fitting. You know, I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. So that's a great first one to do. Um, It would be more low key, um, not as stressful probably. So that was supposed to be that fall. I ran that virtual half in April. And literally a week later, um, I found out I had breast cancer. So that completely changed all my plans for running in fall Mm -hmm. 2021 in terms of my first full. So was this a routine mammogram that you had? What was the diagnosis process like? I mean, being a radiologist yourself who regularly diagnoses breast cancer, did it just hit on a number of levels? Yes, it was was definitely shocking. I actually had my first mammo ever in September, the previous September. So it was when I had turned 40. Um, Mm -hmm. And my breast tissue is extremely dense, like it's very, very dense glandular tissue, which can really limit your ability to see things on a mammogram. So the mammogram was read as negative. Um, I even had looked at it myself and colleagues of mine and, you know, it looked negative. I happened to feel something myself, which is crazy. I felt a little lump and I just knew that, you know, it didn't feel normal. Like I knew it hadn't been there before. I figured it would be a cyst, like a little ball of liquid and would be nothing to worry about. So I actually didn't do anything for about two weeks. And I was at work. Um, like I said, it was the week after I'd run the half. Um, I was at work and one of the patients who had come in, it was for a lump that she had felt in her breast. I'd done an ultrasound and it was negative, but it just kind of clicked in my head. Hey, remember, I have this thing that I need to work up myself. Right. So I asked one of the technologists I work with, you know, let me just hop on the table. If you can just ultrasound it, I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. The minute she put the ultrasound probe down, I knew my heart just sank because I'm like, that's Mm. not a cyst. And I know what that's going to turn out to be. So um, I had her end up, she ultrasounded both breasts completely and we found another mass. So there were two in the same breast, in my left breast. Um, So yeah, that day was, I mean, I had to still get through work (laughs) and it was a complete disaster. Um, Thankfully, I'm very lucky that I am in the field that I'm in because everything moved very, very quickly for me. So I was in in one of my offices the next day, and my colleague was doing biopsies on me. And by the next week, I'd already seen a plastic surgeon, had a breast MRI, seen a general surgeon. So it moved quickly. And you were pretty sure what the course of treatment that you wanted to pursue based on your history of working with a similar situation. So you didn't have that process of like, what am I going to do? You just kind of had a clear path forward. Is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yes. So um, every single breast cancer is very unique. And I think that's what a lot of women um, will question, you know, why did this person get this treatment and this person got that one and I didn't get this? Or So the reason is because um, what they do is they test the tumor itself and there's different receptors that are on the tumors and the combination of positive or negative receptors will dictate what kind of treatment you get in addition to the size of the tumor and other things like that. Um, So I did have a basic understanding of all of those things, which was definitely a benefit compared to, you know, Mm -hmm. others who have no idea about those things. But there was still a lot of waiting, you know, waiting for receptor statuses to come back and really not knowing some of the future treatments and things right away. 
So it requires a lot of patience. <laughs> so in terms of my cancer in particular, you know, being so dense and knowing that my mammogram was going to be so limited, the fact that I had two masses in one breast and I'm so young, I decided to go with a bilateral mastectomy. So because of right. that, I didn't need radiation. And then they send out something called an oncotype on the tumor itself. And that can tell you if you'd benefit from chemotherapy. And mine was very little benefit with chemo. So again, I was lucky mm -hmm. I didn't have to have chemotherapy. Um, the mainstay of treatment for me is what's called hormone therapy, hormone blockade right. therapy. My cancer in particular is, was very, very sensitive to estrogen and progesterone. And so I'm taking a daily pill called anastrozole, and I get a shot uh, every three months called Lupron, which basically prevents any estrogen being produced in my body at all. So essentially, it's putting your body into early menopause. Is that correct? Yes. So it's just very quickly forcing your body into menopause. And in addition to that, a woman in menopause will still produce estrogen in her fat cells. Maybe her ovaries won't be producing them, but in the fat cells you would. But in my, in my case, my fat cells are also not producing it. So it is like no estrogen progesterone at all. And then some of these medications just have their own side effects. So those are things that I have to deal with in terms of, you know, a lot of joint pain and joint stiffness and muscle aches and then uh, the usual, you know, postmenopausal types of symptoms. But overall, I feel very blessed in terms of the course that I had. So going into this as a very fit and healthy person, I mean, that had to be in your favor as well. What was your thoughts like? I mean, being a runner and having these running goals and then to have this, what felt like probably a huge roadblock thrown in your way, not knowing if you're going to be able to continue running through the process, you know, probably having to really listen to your body. Um, what was that like? Yes. Yeah, so lots of thoughts. <laughs> One, I was very grateful for the fitness going into it. And I do think that makes such a huge difference. I tell all my family and friends that things are going to happen to everybody, right? We're going to have, everyone's going to yeah. have some sort of health struggles in life. Um, and being fit won't necessarily prevent it. Like it's not going to prevent me from getting the breast cancer, but my ability to deal with the, the surgeries and the treatments has been so much better than it would have been if I wasn't fit. Um, I mean, I bounced back from the surgery so much faster. I, I had to have two surgeries, the mastectomy, right. and then later I had to have um, another part of the reconstruction process. Um, but with both of them, I just felt like I was able to be mobile very, very quickly. Um, and I was feeling very strong very quickly. I didn't, I had very few, you know, side effects and things go wrong from the surgeries because my body just was healing so much better. So that was a very good thing. The feelings that I did have that were negative were, you know, I worked so hard to reach this goal of getting a sub two hour half. And I felt like I was just starting on seeing what I was able to accomplish. And I just felt like not only was everything all of a sudden halted, but I knew that my body would be different, right? Like being postmenopausal all of a sudden, like I, and you know, everyone says you get slower when you get postmenopausal. So, <laughs> and I know that's not necessarily true, but I just thought, great, you know, I finally was coming to a point where I felt like I was going to accomplish so much, and now I don't know where I'm going to be. Uh, so you kind of have to just accept that, okay, you are what you are now and accept your current fitness and be grateful for just being able to be running and being able to do the things that I'm doing um, and kind of, you know, you're starting fresh in a way and listening to your body a lot, like you said. And speed and time is not everything at all. I mean, it's really probably one of the least important things, right, in terms of right. our running journeys. But I am a little competitive with myself. And so um, that was a little bit frustrating. But I still think that I have a lot of things to accomplish. So it's going to be exciting to Definitely. see what those things are. So as you're recovering from your surgeries, now there's two marathons that didn't happen for you. How did you decide to set your sights on Disney and even bigger, the Dopey Challenge? 
So it was actually during my, I I had the mastectomy at the end of June and it was around that time, the recovery from the mastectomy surgery where I thought, you know what, I'm feeling really good and I know that I can probably, you know, it's a long time between now and January. So I think I could probably in between the surgeries, build my mileage up. And then the second surgery was supposed to be less taxing. And so I, you know, should have been able to build up pretty quickly again after that one. And I figured what better place to do something like this um, where I wouldn't have pressure on myself for time because I would be there with friends. um, I would be there just having fun. And, you know, doing the mileage wasn't something that was in terms of doing all those miles over four days. As much as it's hard, I felt like would be less hard on my body than if I was trying to run a fast, you know, a fast for me marathon. And so I went into it thinking, really, I'm going to run, I'm going to walk, I'm going to stop for characters, and I'm not going to really take it that seriously. I'm just going to have fun with it. And the fact that I would accomplish my goal, you know, and especially after everything I've been through, it would be just like a magical way to celebrate it. So that's really where I had headed into this. And the training didn't quite go exactly as I expected it to. But overall, you know, I was able to to get the mileage that I wanted to in training and then obviously hit the goals that I wanted with the race. So turned out good. Okay, so the Disney Dopey Challenge, do you have to be a bit crazy to sign up for that? <laughs> because uh, not only do you have to run four races, you know, four days in a row, ending with a marathon, but you have to get up like insanely early to get on the bus because uh, you, I guess they probably try to run people through before the crowds come to the parks, right? Yes. For the 5K and 10K, for sure, everything is over before the before anybody gets into the parks. Um, the half, you know, I think people may be running at the end of the course when, um, people are in the parks and then the full, there's definitely a lot of people still running while the parks are open, but for the most part, they try to, to get it done as early as possible. And also to beat the heat, other reasons like that, and all the road closures that go along with it. So yeah, 2.30 wake up time every day. We would leave the hotel by three and um, basically would park in the Epcot parking lot. You'd have to walk like a mile to get to the start area. Um, And then from there, (laughs) walk again, you know, a very long time to get to the corral. So it was a lot of walking before and after as well. The start area was a lot of fun. I mean, there would be, there was music, coffee and food and characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> and in terms of the crowds themselves, you know, uh, every single time that different groups would run, they would have fireworks going off. And again, there was music nice. and, and uh, characters on the stage. And so it's, it's like a big party the whole time, which is fun. So did you decide to dress up? I did. Yes. Um, I initially was going to dress up for all four races, but I decided at the end that, you know what, for the full, given that it's my first one, I kind of didn't want to add anything extra <laughs> to the mix. So I stuck to the the first three races with my costumes. I was um, with my husband. I ran the 5K and 10K. And so for the 5K, I was Chewbacca and I had a Han Solo shirt for him. Um, the 10K, I was Jack Skellington and I got an Oogie Boogie t-shirt for him. <laughs> and then for the half, I had a Cruella outfit. So it was pretty cool running nice. with the, you know, people would cheer, hey, Cruella, you know, you're doing great or things like that. And um, you get really great pictures with characters when you're dressed up. So I think it's worth it. <laughs> so each day after you finish the race, you go back to your hotel. It's still probably early. So then would you take your kids and go to the park and have a full day of on your being on your feet in the parks? So my kids actually did not come for this trip. 
Um, okay. We, you know, the one thing that I think I am a little sad about was that they weren't there to see me finish my first marathon. And that's something that they definitely, that was the only thing that really bothered them about it. We, we go to Disney enough that they were okay with not going to Disney. Um, and I just didn't want them to miss too many days of school. You know, having it before mm-hmm. races, plus having to go to the expo to the day before to get your bibs, it was a very long trip. So they would have missed yeah like three or four days of school. So there was that. And then the fact that we were running the races in the morning together, my husband and I, at least two of them. Um, and we were doing a lot of meetups with with friends that I, like virtual running friends that I've met. And so this ended up being more of an adult trip. So they did not come, um, but they cheered me from home. Angie and I like those kind of trips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I miss them in the parks, but but it was nice. It was nice to spend that kind of quality time with my husband. You know, we never really, I'm sure you guys know, you don't really get that. Um, bonding time (laughs) when you're, when you're together Mm -hmm. as a family. Um, And it was also nice to just finally meet a lot of running friends that I've made over the last few years um, in person. So yeah, we would go to the parks, but it was in a very different way than it would be when we were going with our kids. I think we rode one ride the entire time. (laughs) It was a lot of wandering, (laughs) a lot of sitting in little nooks and crannies and people watching and, you know, grabbing a beer, getting good food. So definitely enjoying Mm. the parks in a different way. You're still walking a lot. Yeah, it's great. You guys would love it. But yes, it was a lot of walking and a lot of standing. But I really do feel like that blood flow and everything really helped. I mean, I felt very good with all the races. Um, I just felt much better than I thought that I would. And I think it is because of the standing and the walking and the movement. Yes. So after you finished, you did the 5K one day, the 10K the next, and then the half marathon. Did you have any trepidation thinking, okay, I've done all this and I've got my first marathon tomorrow? What was going through your mind? So interestingly, it was almost the opposite. I went into this thinking, I'm just going to take everything slow and just, you know, run and walk and have fun and be really relaxed about the whole thing, especially the full marathon. But by the end of the third race and the third day, I was feeling so good. Like my body felt so good. I was feeling so strong. I didn't feel tired. And so I thought, you know what, this is it. Like I need to give it my all. Like I know that I wasn't completely trained for this. You know, I, I, my training cycle had some issues after my second surgery where I was, um, I really couldn't build back quite so fast. And it ended up that I built my mileage back up very quickly in the last month to get from like five to 20 miles. So, you know, it definitely was an ideal training cycle, but I just knew that I wanted to, instead of running with friends, I wanted to just run it by myself and that I was ready for it. I mean, this is something I'd been working for, for three years and I was ready and I felt ready. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just did not feel anxiety. And I also wasn't really putting that much pressure on myself. Um, I really ran by feel the entire time. I mean, I never even really looked at my watch, which I'm surprised because in past races, I would have, you know, a certain pacing strategy and I would be constantly looking at my watch to hit those paces. And this time it was completely by feel. And the crazy thing is I ran a completely even split. Exactly. Even wow. split. It was wow. 223 and 223 for, for both halves, which is crazy. So, and that was completely, that is feel. incredible. That is not easy to do. No. And that's the thing. I was like, wow, I'm really in tune to my body. Like I just really felt in tune, which was really cool. And I'd been hydrating really well for the whole week. I mean, obviously still having a beer here and there or a mimosa or, you know, and enjoying good food. Carb but loading, right? I, yes, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we enjoyed really good food, but I would make sure like, I definitely made sure the night before the full that I ate like plain, you know, I had salmon and, and like potatoes or something and, um, green beans or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> I felt go, yeah, very strong going in. And then I just had a really good fueling plan, which also ended up working really well for me, especially given that it was very hot. But yeah, I, I felt good. I didn't hit a wall. <laughs> I was waiting for the wall, but it didn't hit it. Nice. <laughs> so it definitely was um, a much, much better experience than I you know, had expected. Wow. So what was it like as you saw that finish line, you know, after all these years of attempting the marathon and having to postpone it and then finally being there, being there with your husband, being there in the park at Disney and then seeing that finish line? I'm sure I'm sure it was euphoric, huh? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, I I can't even put into words that feeling. I mean, mm. it was so incredibly hard, but and, and it's not just those twenty six miles, right? Like you said, it's those three years of putting all of that effort in, you know, yeah. waking up super early in the morning to get my runs in before work, strength training. I mean, I had so many injuries and other niggles and things to work through and then the breast cancer and so all of that culminated in this one moment and it was Mm. fabulous. I mean, tears, hugs. I just, I felt on top of the world, you know, and it's funny because at mile 20, I was like, hmm, (laughs) why am I doing this? (laughs) And maybe I won't be doing New York. And yeah, I crossed that finish line and right away I'm like thinking, New York, it's going to be so awesome when I run, you know, 26 miles in New York. Um, So it's interesting how the brain works. But um, yeah, I just, I was physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, but completely, completely satisfied and, you know, fulfilled and happy. So perfect moment. That's awesome. That same day, did you guys go into the park again? Yes. So that day we went back and I'm trying to remember, I think I'm sure napped probably. (laughs) Um, I wasn't, surprisingly, I wasn't that hungry. Like we ended up usually after long runs and stuff, I eat a huge breakfast. Um, This day I, you know, I ended up like having a little bit of beer. I had some nachos. Like it was like disgusting food, grilled cheese out of a truck. Um, I barely could walk. As we do after a marathon. (laughs) Yeah. And it was all very, very tasty. And I remember getting up the stairs. I was staying at a hotel where there were stairs. That was tough walking up those steps. Um, We went into Magic Kingdom. And at that point, then we started eating and we just basically roamed around and ate. It was like chicken and waffles and tacos, (laughs) hot dogs. Terrible. Um, A lot of people do take their medals in. They'll take their, because Dopey, you get like six medals and they are nice. They're big and they're beautiful medals. So a lot of people will take the medals into the parks and have the the photographers who are in the parks take special photos of them in front of the castle and things like that. I just was too tired to lug all those things into the parks. And you also get a bunch of shirts, I believe, too, for each race and then cumulatively. Yes, you get six shirts. If you do the Dopey Challenge, so you get one for each race, including the medal, one for each race. And then if you do the half and the full, that's called the Goofy Challenge. So you'll get a shirt and a medal for that. And if you do all four races, it's the Dopey and you get the shirt and medal for that. So six medals, six shirts, it's a lot. But you know, you earn every every single one of those. Yes, you do. <laughs> for, for one low price of $6,000. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we, we probably don't live too far from each other, maybe a couple hours. And I know it is freezing out here this weekend. It was terrible. So do you, uh, do you have a treadmill there at home? Yes. So I do have a treadmill. I tend not to use the treadmill because of weather. 
um, unless it's really bad weather. I don't mind running outside in the cold, um, but even in, in moderate rain, I've run. Um, so weather generally doesn't stop me, but I tend to use the treadmill a lot in the winter because I run very early in the morning before work. And I just do not like running in the dark by myself. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel safe. And um, the good thing is that I've kind of uh, altered my schedule for work now, and I'm actually only working now three days a week, which is great. So um, I can get out, you know, regular people hours <laughs> instead of like 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> a couple of days a week. So uh, hopefully I'll have to use the treadmill less. We, we hear from a lot of people that finding the time to train is one of the biggest challenges of marathon training. So you mentioned uh, 4.30 runs. That, that's how you get your, that's how you get your runs in. Yes. So especially with all my little niggles and stuff, I feel like I have to have a lot of time before the run, a lot of time after the run, you know, to do my dynamic warm up and stretch after and do strength training. And so I tend to, you know, anywhere between 4.30 and 5, usually I'm getting up. Um, and if it was like, if I had to do medium long runs in the middle of the week, sometimes I would have to, you know, get up even earlier, like four, um, wow. to, to get them in. Cause then I have to get ready, get the kids up and, and out of the house and everything and get to work by eight. Um, and New Jersey traffic, you know, yeah. <laughs> not a good thing. Mm. So, uh, definitely have to wake up very early. So are you naturally a morning person? I am naturally a morning person, so it's not so hard for me. And now I've become such a grandma. I'm like, it's nine o'clock and I'm like, oh, yawning. My kids are like, what's wrong with you? It's the weekend. (laughs) You're a woman after my own heart. (laughs) Yeah, totally an Angie. Totally an Angie. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I tend to sleep early and wake up early. So it's not that difficult. But I think it's definitely doable. You just have to be very consistent with going to sleep on time. Um, That's really important. Mm -hmm. So what's on your your calendar as far as races go in uh, 2022? Yes. So my calendar is definitely not as filled as many of the other MTA members. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're like doing races every weekend, sometimes two or three. It's amazing. Um, So hopefully I'll get there one day. But for now, I have to, uh, you know, kind of take it slower. Um, I think I want to kind of do a similar cycle like I did last April and train for a sub two hour half to try to do it at a live event if I can. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably a local half in May. And then I probably will soon after that start my training cycle for New York. Um, So New York will be in the fall. Very excited for that. And then we'll see. I was kind of looking like I'd said maybe a flying pig for the following year um, would be kind of cool because I've heard great things about that race. Did you get in uh, through the lottery in New York? Or are you running for the, the Parkinson's Foundation again? I am. Yeah. So, you know, I decided I'm not going to try for the lottery because I've already made that commitment to them. So and I have family members who have Parkinson's. So I feel very strongly um, about supporting the mm-hmm. cause. Um, so I think it's going to be a great cause to run for. And yeah, um, yeah so I'm still going to do it that way. That's fantastic. I think it'll be very meaningful. The fact that you've lived in New York City and then you're running for such an important cause. That, that's yeah. exciting. <laughs> Well, it's been great speaking with you, Dipti, and thank you for sharing your story and congrats on conquering your first marathon, running a great time after all that running and all that time being on your feet. So, so super congrats. Yeah, we're so proud of you. Well, thank you so much. I honestly could not have done any of this without you guys. Like I said, you were, you know, you've been with me from the beginning of my running journey. I mean, you were the first running podcast that I subscribed to. And I mean, I listened to one of your episodes on the course between miles 50. I I really didn't want to, you know, keep my headphones in, but 
I think it was like <laughs> miles 15 to like 20 or something where I was just like, we're on roads. There was nothing around. I stuck one of the podcast episodes on and your voices helped me get through it. So um, honestly, without the whole team cheering me on and the coaches and it's, it's like a family and I'm just really, really grateful. So thank you so much for having me on, sharing my story and just being there cheering me on through all of this. Oh, you're so welcome. We're really happy to have you part of the MTA family. <laughs> That's right. Well, big thanks to Dipti for speaking with us, letting us debrief her about her first marathon and the Disney Dopey Challenge. Maybe this will inspire some of you listening to go do the Disney Challenge. I would say I'm more interested in doing it. Like every time I talk to somebody about it, I get a little more interested. And I think I have now a way to handle the, the early mornings because just not a morning guy. So I don't think I'll even go to sleep. <laughs> I, usually, I go to bed about one o'clock anyway. Right. You know, what's a couple hours more? And then, you know, I'll just sleep after the race is done and I'll just have like total nightlife the whole time <laughs> that might work who knows yeah that would be an interesting strategy to try <laughs> <laughs> or how about just make it an extra challenge just try to go the four days without sleeping at all now that sounds suicidal <laughs> <laughs> it's like hell week like oh, I'm paying for this <laughs> No, on a serious note, we are super proud of Dipti and all that she's accomplished and just the challenges that she had to overcome along the way. Hopefully it'll be an encouragement to our listeners who maybe have had setbacks in trying to train for long distance running. And, you know, not everyone has just that easy, smooth point A to point B path. Um, A lot of people have to go through some really tough stuff, but it definitely makes the accomplishment that much sweeter. I think people will take that away from this conversation. So Angie, you have never done the Dopey Challenge, but you have designed training plans for people who've done it. And you know what it's like to run back-to-back marathons on consecutive days. How do you train for something like that? How do you tell your clients to train for something like that? Well, one thing I encourage is that people build up to be able to run back-to-back, you know, maybe like two to three days in a row Um, Like Dipti mentioned, she was in the habit of running five days per week, and that just helps your body be able to run and operate on less recovery. Of course, I always encourage people to continue with their strength training. Don't drop your strength training in favor of more running days, but um, strategically start to add in more running days per week just to build up your running base even stronger. Another thing I encourage is that people include back-to-back long runs about every other week. So for example, on peak training weeks before going into the taper, I would have runners do the following. So like Thursday, I would have them do three miles easy. Friday, they would do three to four miles easy. Saturday, they do 10 miles. And then Sunday, they do 20 miles. And so that simulates what the race is going to be like running races on four back-to-back days. And this also helps your body adapt to running with less recovery. And it can be a great time to practice before your race week when you'll be doing that in real life. Um, Another great thing that people need to do is to practice your gear choices, including any costumes. And of course, your fueling and nutrition in advance. And this is going to help people feel more confident going in and, of course, reduce the amount of discomfort at having some kind of malfunction. 
And then finally, have fun. And I think really Dipti was a great example of this. Of course, you can run the Disney races for a PR, but I find that runners are often the happiest with their experience when they stay relaxed and they soak in the fun. Yeah, you can even ride roller coasters. You can stop and get in line and ride a ride from what I've heard. So Angie, how would you train for that? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, (laughs) Come home, sit on the couch for a while. No, actually... Go somewhere and stand in line for an hour. That's true. <laughs> no sitting. <laughs> an hour would be short for some of those rides. <laughs> no, but in seriousness, um, the Disney races can be great for people who are slower runners and for those who feel less confident about being able to finish in a certain time frame because the Disney races often have very generous finish times. And so there's not that kind of pressure that you feel like you need to get to the finish line and you're worried about being disqualified or the course being closed. Yeah, I heard that there are balloon ladies who walk in the back. They're sort of like the sweeper car. And so as long as you beat the balloon ladies, apparently they're carrying balloons, right? Uh, Yeah, you would think (laughs) so. (laughs) Otherwise, it might be kind of rude to call them balloon ladies. (laughs) But uh, as long as you beat them, then you're good. So nice, generous cutoff time from what I've heard. I'm guessing the balloon ladies don't go on rides, though. Probably not. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. If we can help you reach your goals, please reach out. We have a contact form on our website. You can talk to one of our coaches or look into Academy membership and other stuff that we got going on. Just go to MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Until next time, keep taking action in your goals. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my-